You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hi, Mickey. I see you have a guitar. Mickey? Down by the... Whoops. Down by the river. You sound exactly like Neil Young. I shot my baby. It's uncanny. Oh my God. Are you Are you Neil Young? What have you done with Mickey? I shot my baby. I'm getting like a free Neil Young concert here. Well, Bob, I thought since Neil Young's off Spotify, I could become the go-to site for Neil Young music. Totally. Uh, That's a new that business model. Joe Rogan has decisively beaten Neil Young on the battlefield of Spotify popularity. Yeah, no, I don't see any problems with this with this uh, approach to revenue generation, Mickey. Because uh, it's like, you know, if you close your eyes, you just think, oh, it's Neil. But you were probably rooting for for Neil Young. Oh, I'm ambivalent. Uh, I mean, I don't. Okay, so in case anybody missed this, Neil Young, in protest against Joe Rogan's uh, giving a platform platform to Robert Malone and perhaps other Vax skeptics, and according to Neil Young, uh, providing misinformation that could get people killed, uh, Neil Young has uh, taken his music off of Spotify. No, no, no trivial sacrifice. Apparently more than half of his streaming revenue came from Spotify. Uh, and, and it's not nothing from Spotify's point of view, I'm sure, although it's, it's not as big a deal as it would be if Joe Rogan left him. Uh, oldies are very popular these days, so it probably is some, some revenue. No, he's got a lot of real fans. I, yeah. I it's, it's hard to imagine, uh, a whole lot of them switching to Pandora just for him, but you never know. I guess Pandora is the main rival still uh, of Spotify, is it? Uh, beats me. I, I've never gotten into Spotify. Oh, so. I, I use it. Uh, and that's where you got to go to get Rogue. I mean, you know, Spotify paid him like $100 million to have an exclusive on his yeah. podcast. Yeah. You don't have to pay for the podcast on Spotify, but Spotify is the only place you can get the podcast. But, but I did... Um, this is, I'm continuing my name dropping week, Bob. I did see Neil Young when he debuted that song. Really? You were, yes. the first time he played that publicly, you were there? Not the first time, but when the, before the album came out, he did a, did a, a stand at the Troubadour and I snuck in three nights uh-huh. and he was really good. And I, I also saw him throwing up before the performance. So that was- That's even humani- more impressive. That so was humanizing. That was humanizing. The so guy this- was nervous. He was nervous. So, so you were using debut in the kind of secondary sense of meaning not the first time it was done in public. That was what you meant by debut. <laughs> I don't know it was the first time. But it tell us, tell first us about- time, It was the first time I'd ever heard these songs and they were fantastic. This was in the Everybody Knows oh, it, This Is Nowhere. It, it was a Mickey debut. You know, it's funny. I've been at the Bob debuts of all the songs I've ever heard. Bob, but- you're being... You're I'm being sorry. pedantic. I, I'm sorry. Well, then let's- Querulous. Let, let's, let's cut to the chase. Tell us about the vomit. No, he was uh, he, he was just retching in the in the dressing room. You're at the Troubadour, you could sort of sometimes see into the place where the artists are. Do you think he had been drinking, perhaps? I think he was nervous because he knew you were but, in the audience, probably. 
Better than doing what Bill Maher does before a show. Never mind. Not sure um, I want to know. Is that parrot room <laughs> material? Do we have our first parrot room tease? <laughs> I don't want to know either. I like Bill Maher. Oh, I want to know. I keep I'm thinking right he might. I, I keep thinking he might. You know, if he gets desperate enough, put me on his show. But, but that no, that could happen. That could happen. You'd have a better shot than. But I no, would. he's going with Barry Weiss instead, Bob. Oh, that's a little early for trolling. A little early in the podcast. A little late in the day. <laughs> The uh, so uh, anyway, it was he was fantastic. The songs were new and fresh. Now they seem sort of old, but what the hell? You know, one of his best songs is one of his least known. And it's going to be super embarrassing if this isn't a Neil Young song, but Long May You Run. Yeah, you know what that's about? It's about his car. Bus. Oh, a bus. But his bus. I thought it was about a station wagon with that wood grain. You know, what did they call a station wagon? It was a bus. I think it had wood grain on the the side of the bus. They sold the bus. They sold their tour bus, their beloved tour bus, I think. Or something. Anyway, it's about their tour bus. It's a great song. Um, Pretty good. Funny song. It's good. Somebody hear me do it? uh, uh, Sure. You may may be better than me, so you may invoke the copyright Uh, police. I'll do it in the the pair room. I'm writing it down. um, Long, Bob's uh, debut of Long May You Run. Scott Winship, who is much younger than me, who's a scholar at AEI, wrote that he's older than, he's now older than every member of the Traveling Wilburys, except for Roy Orbison, when they were founded, which is truly scary. I couldn't have told you that Roy Orbison was in the Traveling Wilburys. That's a little I know, but I will say this, crying is a great, is a great song, if but, that's the name. Um, I wonder if that's Neil, Mickey. Yeah, a little no, copy, we got a little copyright issue he may want to bring to your attention. No, it's it's Mickey. it's Mike, it's Mike Kinsley. I'll call him back. Oh, you should get him on. Anyway. <laughs> um, that would be rude. Uh, now, that so, was another. Oh, that was a big name drop. That was that was your biggest name drop yet. Oh, it's Mike Kinsley calling. I'm sorry, Mike. Uh, I don't have time for you right now. Well, I thought you'd be interested. I am. Okay. Never I mind. see you haven't changed your screensaver, your uh, whatever your default, whatever that is. Um, that's the factory setting uh, thing, whatever. Yeah, why, why? Yes, I'm a factory setting guy, Bob. Um, so wait, but this issue, we should we should talk a little about this issue raised by Neil Young, right? You should. Well, well obviously, I think obviously they shouldn't censor Joe Rogan. So, well, censor isn't the word. See, this bothers me. They shouldn't it's, kick him off censor- Spotify. Is censor the word? I mean, you like know, punish, punishing him for his, you know. Can we I mean, agree? If you, if you if you if you take away ten million dollars from a guy, he's still free to talk, but you've punished him for ten million dollars. So that seems close to censorship, unless Rogan? he says something really awful. Well, they'd probably have to pay him the money. He wouldn't lose any money, and then he could go go to whatever platform he wanted if they actually did kick him off. But but the, we agree. I assume this is not a First Amendment issue. It's not censorship in that sense, right? No. Um, right. But it's it's censorship in the sense that censorship his in a different sense. complained about CBS censoring them. Right. Is what it um, would be. I, so I it, it's I don't know. I mean, uh, they're both using their cloud. It's Joe Rogan versus Neil Young. Let the best man win. I'm afraid it's not going to be Neil Young. But uh, I, I mean, I don't have an objection to Neil Young doing this. I admire it. He's sacrificing a lot of revenue. And no, uh, I, I don't I, I agree. I don't uh, you know, it, it, I wish his music had been better in the last three decades. But 
what the hell? Um, so, um, anyway, I'm, uh, I, 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 you know, uh, I'm, I, I do noble think- of him, it's noble of him, but I don't think he should have won. How about that for an opinion? Yeah, I mean, I don't have a view on who should have won because, again, it's just all it's all fair play. I mean, it's not like the government censoring somebody. And well, you don't you don't want a society where people are constantly like threatening to pull the stuff, and so it's a constant war. I mean, we we could have wars for the next two decades like this. But you know, it's kind of always been implicit. You're a Trumpist, like that. and I will pull. I will pull. You know, all of a sudden, like Bruce Springsteen pulls all his songs because they let a Trumpist on Spotify or something. Just a bad president. It's entertaining. Yeah. What else is there to do? <laughs> we, Bob, this <laughs> life is, what, is so boring now that Trump is gone. This is well, all life we have is, is a pandemic, right? Life is grinding to a halt. I'm, I'm very worried that at some point we'll run out of things to talk about. I'm worried but, about that this very week, but, but not but, this week, Bob. Because I think I've used this before. Because that you know what is, this is a picture of it looks like a statue of somebody with a with an inscription. It's probably something I, they right. said. I was walking around uh, Dupont Circle and on P Street. Is that Mr. Dupont? No, in P Street there there's like a lot of statues. There's this little statue of Masaryk, the founder of Czech Democracy, mm. and there's this giant fucking statue. And I wonder what it was about. And you know what it's about? It's about Joe Rogan? It's about Ukrainian independence. Oh. It's been up there for two decades, and it's about a Ukrainian independence leader from the 1800s. This has been going on a long time. They were seeking uh, liberation from the Russian Empire at that point? I, I know, yes. I know that Peggy Noonan has criticized people who say, well, it's been going on a long time, so we shouldn't intervene. But it's been going on a long time, and it's it's like not like... Uh, uh, you know, not like it's a struggle that will go on for a long time. So uh, I think that should, uh, you know, this isn't like the last stand against Putin or the last stand against Russia. And it, if they reach some sort of muddled compromise, that's not the end of the world. It looks like Russia is Russia is pulling back a little bit now. I guess. If, let me just uh, insert the observation that I'm a little surprised you're, 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 I'm, I'm totally fine with going to Ukraine. I can talk a lot about it. And, 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 uh, I'm a little surprised you're, you're, you're putting this ahead of Stephen Breyer's retirement, but. Oh, that, that was number two, but I figured we'd get Ukraine out of the way, you know? Okay. But you know how it is with Ukraine. Once you get me started. Um, well, I, so here's, uh, it, yeah. I, I mean, my basic line. Okay. Let me, mm-hmm. let me I'm there's just not that much difference between the, Peaceniks and the neocons on this one. The, most of the neocons don't want to send troops, uh, and uh, at least troops to Ukraine. They want to give aid and they want to have sanctions. They want to deter. Uh, but mo- most of the most of the peaceniks are are willing to deter too. It's just unlikely to work. But uh, so, what's well, the big I, fight about? The fight is about attitude more, I think, than concrete. Uh, well actualities of what you want the United States to do. It depends on what you mean by peaceniks. I, I think a, a lot of people you call peaceniks are you. not enthusiastic about sending weapons in. You know, the weapons thing is just a kind of a double-edged sword. I mean, if it succeeds in deterring Russia, fine. But if it doesn't, it probably winds up getting more people killed. So that's a slightly tough one. Um, oh, but that's I the am, Ukrainians call, isn't it? I am in a way on the hawkish end of the peaceniks just in the sense that because i do put so much emphasis on 
international law and invading would be violating international law. I'm much more amenable to economic sanctions in this case than I would be if it were some internal affair, which is usually what we're doing economic sanctions about, which I don't approve of. Um, I mean, I would say, though, that the downside is if you wind up, you know, we're, we're talking about some pretty a, a pretty powerful combination of sanctions. If you wind up doing those, then uh, you've kind of, well, not only have you kind of shot your wide in terms of future Russian misbehavior, but there's there's less and less, um, you, well, yeah, you just have less, you have less interdependence. And so you have less leverage of that kind in, in the future. I mean, I, I, I guess, I, I, you know, I was I went searching for the neo competition. So I read Ann Applebaum's mm-hmm. Twitter feed and I and I read David Frum's Twitter feed and none of them want to send troops. I read an article by Ann Applebaum's husband, the former defense minister of Poland, who's pretty very hawkish. And he doesn't want to send, you know, actual U.S. troops to Ukraine. He wants to send weapons, which I agree is a little controversial and and have sanctions. And so he's he just done that much different. The no. only difference I can see is uh, that people like Ross Douthat and me, and I assume you, are willing to actually give subs- a substantive carrot along with the stick of the wet deterrence. That is so, one of the differences, yes. So I the, think, the, yeah. the carrot would be, you know, some, some wink and a nod, you know, we're not going to let Ukraine in for 25 years or 10 years or however much, you know, and have it be a sort of informal, deniable, but... Uh, but real agreement. I don't see why it can't be a real agreement. What is it, do we we have to take NATO has to take every country that it wants in? No, they don't. No, of course not. I mean, that's yeah. the the absurdity of saying this is about Ukrainian sovereignty as if any nation has the sovereign right to join NATO. NATO is an organization that can decide who joins it. Yeah. You know, um, the the. Uh, I agree that the big difference is is in terms of what you would, you know, uh, what concessions you would give to defuse the situation. And, and, and that's a very stark difference. I think, I, I, I think there are a lot of, of Hawks who, who would not abide Biden saying, well, okay. Uh, you know, I can't quite, since I'm not going to be president for 20 years, uh, I can't quite guarantee Americans policy then, but I'll get together with these other members of NATO and say, we have no intention of expanding NATO for the next 20 years, something like that. Now, I think I, I've come to think that, and and this was, I think I had, this occurred to me while probably um, I was talking to Anatole Levin on my, on the, on the podcast, on Tuesday's podcast. He's a, he's a uh, Russia expert at the Quincy Institute. I think the hope uh, is to enlarge the conversation and like get a bigger deal. Because if it's a narrow deal, if it's like, uh, okay, in exchange for you not invading, we're going to we're gonna pledge to not expand NATO or not expand it to Ukraine or something or do this or that, that's hard for Biden politically. That's very hard for him politically. I, I mean, I don't mean necessarily in terms of grassroots blowback, but you know, the blob will be all over him. And Whereas uh, the more other issues you you bring in, I mean, there's, uh, you know, the more both sides can say, well, we got this, this and this, you know, this can be the disposition of missiles, either in Russia or in uh, within, within NATO. And one thing Anatole mentioned is, you know, you have, I think I've got it right, that you still have these unresolved 
kind of parallel situations in Kosovo on the one hand and Georgia on the other. You know, in both cases, uh, you know, one 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 thing that Russia objected to that we did was bomb Serbia in 99 on behalf of a Kosovo independence movement. Russia then did something kind of comparable, some people think partly in retaliation, in Georgia, in intervening on behalf of separatist republics. Uh, it was South Ossetia and something uh, something that starts with an A. Um, and I, I think all those are unresolved. Is the, the, we have not come to an agreement on any of those about uh, what the status is. I thought our cover story was that uh, Milosevic, had, the Serb leader, had violated the Rambouillet Accords, which we had crammed down his throat. Or maybe he'd refused to sign them or something. I don't know. Beats me, but I think even... Uh, um, I, I think there's something I think approaching a consensus them. that it was a violation of international law for, yeah. for us to bomb. Uh, yeah, I... I think I think he hadn't. Uh, yeah, I mean, I basically the, we were we were very full of ourselves and thought we could bomb people into doing all sorts and, of things. And not only that, this was done under NATO's auspices. Okay, this was like at the same time. This is right when we're starting to expand NATO, annoys the Russians, and we're saying, oh, and by the way, NATO will bomb whoever the hell we want to bomb. Oh well, that's mm -hmm. a nice combination <laughs> of uh, news. Um, the. Um, well, it's weird. I mean, make it broader, fine. But if you look at if you, there's this weird thing in the news, which is they say Russia has to move as when the as soon as the ground thaw, as soon as the ground freezes, okay? Because then the ground is firm for their tanks, right. and it hasn't frozen yet, thanks to global warming. Is that so, right? Yeah. So they're waiting for it to freeze. Well, but then they've only got a few weeks. It thaws in March, so they got a window of like. A few weeks, and they don't to want move. to spoil the Olympics in China, right? And, but but so you're not going to negotiate this wider wheel deal in time for this narrow window of opportunity to forestall it. I you got to stick to a simple. And, and anyway, uh, Lavrov has said today that what Blinken proposed has some rational parts to it. So that was uh, he must he must have proposed some sort of concession, right? Um, I mean. Yeah, he's not. He hasn't made it public. Uh, I I don't know. I don't know what it means. I don't, it may just mean that Lavrov is himself trying to get um, Putin to cool it for a while. Who knows? He couldn't. Um, he couldn't go off the reservation like that. Well, no. But I mean, he may be talking up any Biden, right. uh, any Biden okay. quasi concessions right. to Putin. Right. You know, I, I one thing that occurred to me is I'm I wonder if Putin didn't, in a certain sense, stumble into this situation where it's hard for him not to lose face. What I mean is, you know, when the when people first started noticing these troops massing, one speculation was that it was it was a deterrent to keep the Ukrainian forces from pushing back the borders in the civil war. I mean, remember, in these two like uh, republics or whatever they call them, Donetsk and I guess Luhansk uh, or something, um, th the rebels don't even occupy all of those of those two places, right? They, they, right. they, they haven't even extended con rebel control to, to, the, to the Western bounds of those. And I gather the Ukrainian uh, forces were, uh, you know, were showing signs of wanting to make a serious push. And one thought was that at that point, Russia was putting forces there to say, don't even try it, A, and B, to intervene if, if, if Ukraine did try it. Right. And then, you know, naturally, 
everybody in the blob started freaking out. And apparently the U.S. to this day is more freaked out than the people in Ukraine. They're like, eh, I doubt they'll do anything. Um, <laughs> at least at least more of the, more of their elites are saying that than our Probably, elites. Yeah. And, uh, and, and then once we started freaking out, I wonder if Putin didn't say, well, as long as they're terrified, why don't I make some demands? You know, like... Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he kind of backed into this uh, this situation. I don't know. It's the, um, this um, the, the, Jack Jack Schaefer wrote a column about uh, how the wag the dog scenario was bogus. Uh, the idea that Biden was was ginning this up because his poll ratings are low and he want you know war would increase it. I didn't even know that there was this rumor in Washington. That's how out of it I am here in Los Angeles. I didn't even know that people were saying that Biden was wagging. I the hadn't dog. heard that. But Putin may well be wagging the dog. I mean, Putin yeah, this may have could, been. This, they, if you read some people, they say, well, it, it's almost inevitable that in, in, in contrast to what you say, it's almost inevitable that Putin would make a fuss about Ukraine now because they were turning toward the West. His popularity is declining. He has to distract people. Blah, well, and blah, you got to remember, the uh, there are these issues in Ukraine that um, – any any rival of Putin's who wanted to play the nationalist card could exploit. And by the way, Navalny is himself something of a nationalist. People right. uh, people assume that Navalny is like made in our image, and uh, right. you know, uh, but 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 he has a past of being something of a nationalist. And you got to remember, Ukraine is kind of pushing the Russian language out of the schools. They are shutting down Russian media. Uh, I guess they might say because it's propaganda, but Russian language media outlets have been shut down by Ukraine. And it's easy, I assume, I gather, to stir up a popular sentiment in Russia on behalf of ethnic Russians or Russian speaking yeah. Ukrainians uh, who, in their view, are, are you know, losing rights in some sense yeah. or another. It's weird. There's a um, there's a bakery here that sells. Uh, Ukrainian pastries or Russian pastries. They don't think they made and, and there's a big sign there, apparently, that says Russian spoken here. And I thought it just meant that if you're Russian and you happen, you know, they'll talk Russian to you. No, it is a specific Ukrainian thing. That's what the Russians put on their bakeries to mean we're Russians, not Ukrainians. Fuck you. Really? So they're, <laughs> so they're actively alienating some customers? I think so. Yeah, the the vast Ukrainian population in Los Angeles, but um, uh, it it, it, it apparently it's is not the benign sign that you think it is. Mm -hmm. Um, the um, and that's been going on for centuries too, since the, you know, since this uh this guy in eighteen forty. Um, you wonder he has Putin hasn't called up reservists yet. I don't think that's apparently the key sign. Mm -hmm. That he's serious. Although there's a headline I just saw a couple of hours ago where Pentagon declares that Putin has amassed all forces he needs uh, to invade. Uh, let me let me check it out. Russia has enough troops in place to invade all of uh, Ukraine. Thought, Pentagon okay. says. It, it, um, uh, this uh, this uh, right winger named Kurt Schlichter, who I don't usually agree with, wrote a very good column about how I mean nobody's talking about it, but how we shouldn't military we shouldn't intervene militarily. Because we're we suck militarily now, and why show the world that we suck militarily at this particular point? I didn't let's, know about that. Let's, let's pretend well, that what's we're the not, evidence that we suck? I mean, we've had some pretty uh, well. When, when was the last time we won a war? 
Well, that's because that's because we keep going to these places where war is really difficult because a lot of the people there don't want us there. I mean, I mean, if you're going to try to occupy a country where a lot of people hate you, yeah, that's tough. But um, but uh, but but if on the other hand we were to intervene on on behalf of a bunch of Ukrainians who were happy to have us there, I mean, not that all Ukrainians are, but I mean, if we did if we didn't like try to occupy Donetsk or something, you know. I don't uh, know. He, he, I mean, he goes into the usual stuff uh, about, you know, we're spending time uh, putting pronouns on the military letterheads instead of training the troops. And also, uh, uh, there are other stories that the Russians have gotten much, much better. That is apparently And true. modernized their weaponry. And, and so uh, I, I, it's not clear that we want to go head to head at this particular point. Oh, I know. Uh, I, I don't. I don't. I, but, I, I um, think... And there's a lot of different ways Russia could do a military intervention if they wanted to. I mean, I assume they're a little leery of sending in tanks because we, but, I think we've given the Ukrainians uh, pretty sophisticated uh, anti-tank weapons, but, but they could just sit back and at, at almost zero risk, destroy a lot of the Ukrainian military but, from the air. I mean, I, I do, he, um, the other, what I was, what Schlichter said, and he said, look at a map, look at where Kiev is. And I looked at a map and you look at where Kiev is. It's very close to the Russian border. All that's separating it from Russia is a big fucking lake. Well, wait. I, it's a no, huge no, lake. But no, 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 no. Kiev has a, a lot more than a lake uh, separating it from Russia. I mean, there's, well, there's, it seems to be on a lake and the other side of the lake is Russia. The, the lake is very long. So, or whatever, no, whatever body of water is there. You mean, you mean heading directly long. east from, from Kiev? No, heading north from Kiev. Oh. Anyway. Okay. Okay, they, but isn't it seems that, to me Russia could Russia could capture Kiev pretty easily. The question is, what do they then do with it? I got to Google and, my little map. Uh, and um, the the um, it does it does seem to me that you know it may be in the U.S. interest for Russia to invade and then get bogged down, and it's a disaster for them, and their their soldiers start getting shot in the back and killed, and it's the you know it's another Afghanistan for them. Uh, Mickey, that's a that's a big lake, and it leads not to Russia but to Belarus. Okay, Belarus. Now, now there are troops and the Russian troops in Belarus, but uh, my guess, you know, everybody keeps pointing out how many Russian troops are raided to the north in Belarus and everything. My guess is that's a distraction. That 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 forces Ukraine to diffuse its troops all along the border. Right. It's a no cost thing for Russia. Just put some troops there, and suddenly you've thinned out the enemy. Yeah. Um, well, Schlichter is a former soldier, and I'm not, so he seemed to think it, it was an easy strike. Um, but what about this bog down? I mean, what, that's another reason why this may not be the end of the world. I mean, so what? So they invade, and and, and you know, the, the idea that they're not going to transform Ukraine into yeah, I, a yeah. Russian-speaking country. I mean, look, I don't think they're going to try to take Kiev. They could conceivably bomb uh, military installations in that area. Uh, I think the most they try to keep in any meaningful sense is way, way east, you know, possibly the land bridge between Crimea and Donetsk and, and probably push the rebel controlled uh, area of Donetsk and Luhansk out to, to the ex full extent of those like provinces. But um, did, did you have you got did you write about this this week? Yeah, Monday, I wrote a piece that actually got a certain amount of play. Um, it was about how we got into this mess and it was an, uh, and then today's newsletter will have probably a little item on, but, but, but the long Monday piece uh, was an argument that if for the last, if, if three presidents in a row, 
uh, Clinton, George W. Bush and Obama had bothered to look at things from Russia's point of view, they would not have done the series of things that got us into this mess, beginning with expanding NATO, which is George it, Kennan himself was against the, the, is, the architect it, is it, of containment. Is it in no way uh, at the fault of George H.W. Bush? Did he do everything right? I remember a member of the Bush administration said, I think we overdid it as well, the H.W. Bush administration. So well, why are we I, letting him off the hook? I think you can trace, uh, in terms of NATO expansion to uh, Poland, Hungary, and the Czech Republic, that's the first round, if you don't count Germany itself expanding. Um, I think you you can kind of trace the very origins of those wheels being set in motion to the very end of the George H.W. administration. But look, it didn't happen. The invitations weren't issued until 1997. Bill Clinton could have easily derailed it. It picked up momentum during the 90s. There was there was a, a committee to expand NATO run by a guy who was from Lockheed Martin, which the arms makers made a ton of money off of this because it once... Once, it, once a country joins NATO, its armaments uh, have to be in alignment with NATO specs, right. which means you got to buy them from the same companies that built the, the, the original weapons. And so, you know, it was a big boondoggle. And, uh, and, and Clinton, uh, you know, and lots of people, Bill Bradley was warning against it again. Kennan was, um, a lot of people were. And, hmm. uh, and, and what Kennan said is exactly what happened. He said, Russia is going to react adversely to this. And then people will say, see, this is the way Russia is. The Georgia intervention is a good example. That was probably part that that came. Uh, I mean, it was maybe partly payback for Kosovo, but it came like four months after uh, George uh, W. Bush uh, issued the, um, the the invitation to Georgia, the, the quasi invitation to join. Um, it, this is just it, it was just all unnecessary. I haven't heard a single good argument for expanding NATO. Um, uh, uh, I agree. The, um, the my one further point, and then I'll, we can either switch to Breyer or um, I can sing again. Uh, Let's go with Breyer. Uh, the, um, you never know. Uh, I wonder if all these people like Fiona Hill, who were saying, you know, Trump, uh, you know, it was unfortunate that Trump, you know, interrupted our our support for Ukraine with this phone call to Zelensky to try to get it, sick him on Biden. I wonder if they regret now making a huge deal of it in a way that cost Ukraine a whole ton of Republican support. Uh, if they hadn't made a huge deal of it, people like Tucker Carlson would have a lot less traction on the right in terms mm -hmm. of getting people to uh, not take Ukraine's side on this. And it was just, a, it was incredibly stupid of them. I hadn't thought about that. You'd know more about those politics than I would. I, I think Not the much. upside from their point of view is support from the resistance. You know, all these uh, liberals uh, who who see Fiona Hill as a hero because of her testimony during the impeachment and see, you know, Bill Kristol as, as a hero because he joined the resistance earlier and, and, and Max Boot and all these people, you know, these are the people who don't want to give the kinds of concessions that you and I would want to give, they now command a lot of uh, support among uh, Democrats, among liberals who don't pay that much attention to foreign policy, but have the world divided between good guys and bad guys, and the good guys are the ones who hate Trump. Um, good point. 
And, and I uh, would have that's thought a very that, good point. I would have thought I, that Tucker would have been singing the, uh, the, the kind of non-interventionist line in any event. He would, but would he be getting traction? I don't know. Yeah. Um, Mickey, uh, uh, okay, well, I, I, I see something disturbing. You've picked up your guitar again. I thought I fucked it up before, so I thought people want to hear. They want to hear the better version? Down I'm, by the river. I shot my anyway, podcast. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's, our, that's our bumper. That's our yeah. musical bumper. Yeah, I'll, I'll, my people can talk to your people about that. Um. So... Well, I don't have that much to say about Breyer. Well, I have a couple of things to say right, about Breyer. Just quickly, one thing about Zelensky, this, uh, the president of Ukraine. Yeah. Um, I mean, first of all, remember, his qualifications for president are that he played a president on TV. I mean, literally. Apparently very well. It's supposed to be a hilarious show. That's not nothing. Not nothing. Uh, okay. I mean, that's at least as relevant as Trump's performance on uh, Apprentice. But we saw how that worked out. The Anyway... He says, uh, I, I just don't, I don't quite understand the logic of this. He says he was quoted an interview with Lally Weymouth. You know her probably of the Washington Post. I met her. You met her. Okay. Anyway, he says, today our partners are saying that war may start tomorrow if there is a powerful escalation on the Russian side, and then there will be powerful sanctions applied. Now, he says, but if we are talking about the sanctions policy and the probability of escalation, then the question is, why are you not introducing sanctions now rather than wait until after the escalation? I have an answer. <laughs> well, you say it, but you say it destroys their incentive. But yeah. what if the incentive is if you don't if you don't invade, we'll take the sanctions off? Yeah. So I guess that tends to be there. a harder thing to do politically, taking sanctions off. And the world is full of examples, but uh, maybe that's what he has in mind. I, he must. He must have some. There must be some rationale behind that demand. I didn't quite understand it either, but um, uh, so it's very odd. It's it's very odd. It is this odd situation where they are much calmer about it than we are. Apparently, I mean, uh, uh, there are multiple reports of that. And some people call it stoic resolve, and and don't make it sound like they're minimizing the chances of invasion. And some people make it sound like they're minimizing the chances of invasion. I well, they've been invaded before, so maybe it's not such a big deal to them. Right. I mean, it's a big deal, but it's not such a big deal. Yeah. Uh, you know. Um, I mean, also, they probably know that he's, the Russians are not going to try to occupy Kiev. You know, not going to happen. One theory is that they would encircle Kiev and issue demands. A siege. It's been a long time since the one, we had a good the siege. One, the one thing they're clearly not going to do is try to occupy the countryside. That would be a recipe for death, basically. Well, you know, so. even even in uh, in eastern Ukraine, you look at the map, uh, and and uh, the Russian speakers are, are concentrated even there in the in the urban areas and the rural areas. You know, not so much. So I, I'm not. I, I think even. That might be dicey terrain. Even those two republics uh, in the east might be dicey terrain for Soviet troops. I mean, Russian troops, if they were to hang around. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, if you really were Andy Putin, you might want to encourage him to take the whole country. See, oh, that's see, what, what, see what you can do with it, buddy. That's what Tom Friedman said in his uh, column on this. Yeah. Um, uh, of, 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 of which I was critical in, uh, in my newsletter piece, in the non-zero newsletter. Yeah. 
but he was a good sport about it. And uh, we've scheduled a podcast conversation. Really? Yep. You've beat me on the name dropping front. I read a catch Thank up. You. Thank you. Oh, wait, um, Tom's on the phone right now. Mickey, can, I'm going to put you on hold. Uh, the, um, so we can't quit Ukraine, but let's quit Ukraine. Okay. Briar, um, Briar retire. Great. A lot of great rhythmic headlines well, came out of this. Well, it's very weird. Uh, you know, Briar, usually they retire in March or April or June, you know, and all of a sudden when Biden needs something to do, he's been losing. There's a lacuna. There's, there's a vacuum of, 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 of victories. Uh, you know, uh, he desperately needs a win, something mm -hmm. to talk about other than build back better. And all of a sudden, Breyer sort of moves up his retirement three months uh, with a conditional letter of, uh, of retirement. He says he will retire if a replacement has been nominated and approved by the time the court ends its term. Well, is that a retirement? He's saying he's, he'll retire if X happens. X has not happened. Uh, so how is he retired? How is there a vacancy? Uh, Wait, isn't there kind of a catch-22 here? I mean, does he yes. want the person to be installed before he retires? Yes, that it's a total catch-22. Catch Usually they say, I retire as of June 1st, and then it's not his business whether they've, you know, whether Mitch McConnell has managed to stop a, a, a nominee. Mm -hmm. Under his theory, if McConnell blocks a nominee, he's still on the court. He doesn't retire. What, where does he get off doing that? I don't understand. And, and did somebody whisper in his ear, you know, if you wanted to really wanted to be a good Democrat, you would announce it now and give let Biden have a couple months of, you know, nice talk about where we consider a lot of nice uh, black women nominees for the Supreme Court and rally the base. And McConnell looks obstructionist. Uh, and clearly, if, if McConnell, if the Republicans are smart, they won't make a big deal of it. They'll say, okay, you know, it's it's not it's not an important vote. It's not a swing vote. It's replacing a Democrat. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and sure, uh, uh, but, next, let's move on. But could somebody like Manchin get in the way? Why would, uh, you mean Manchin would object? I very much doubt it. I mean, if he didn't like the candidate. I think it's much more likely that there's a couple of Republicans will go over and give him 51 or 52 votes or 53 okay. votes. Now, you know who my choice is among all of the black women who could who could do this job? I know nothing about any of them. They, you know, so guess who my choice is? I'll, I'll give you a clue. This could be uh, the first step in a strategic masterstroke that helps the Democrats hang on to the White House in 2024. You have Sherrod Brown have both a sex change and a race change operation. No. No. <laughs> does the uh, name does the name Kamala mean anything to you? Oh, I know you were going to say that, but that he's already ruled that out. I think his press secretary it, did, but it's pretty. It's it's it, it, that was immediately speculated. It would it would be a. I was be, shocked. I thought only I would think it up, and it would be kind of a joke. But people were because I mean she has people, been Attorney General are, of California, not nothing, but still right. she's a little thin on the credentials. Right, but her, her her forte is legal argument. That's the only thing she's actually anyway the, good at. The one thing and, you see Supreme Court justices doing, which is interrogating lawyers, often in a hostile fashion, she'd be excellent at. You know, and so what? You know, she's an automatic vote for the left, like the same the same way all these other people are. It makes no difference at all. Her clerks write the opinions. It's actually a much better idea than I thought when I first. It's a great it. idea. Then it takes um, her out of the heir apparent position. 
then the only other thing we have to do is convince Biden not to run and we can have an actual free for all and get a candidate with an excellent chance of beating Trump, which I don't think Kamala Harris has. Or you could get rid of Biden and 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 go straight to Pelosi. That was my strategy. Well, Pelosi time. would would Pelosi become vice president automatically if Kamala no. went to the Supreme Court? No. no. What but would she's happen? next in the line of succession. What would happen? I think didn't what Ford, happens is didn't it, Ford, wasn't Ford yeah. Speaker of the House when he became That's vice how, president? Um huh. I think I think the I think what, what happens is Biden then selects a vice president who is approved by there's an amendment that deals with that. that's how we got Nelson Rockefeller. Remember, hmm. I had forgotten Ford picked Nelson president. Rockefeller as vice president. That's shocking. Um, so uh, I think I think there's a there's a provision for that. But before that happens, Pelosi's next in line of succession. So if Biden quits. She's president. Um, oh, wow. That would be my plan. The problem is people hate Kamala so much they want her to leave the national scene. They cannot stand the sound of her voice and we don't want to ever have to hear her. You don't again. have to hear that much from Supreme Court justices. They don't even televise <laughs> the proceedings. You got to go, you got to yeah. show up to hear them. It's a small room. I've been there. It's not a, it's a better idea than I, than I it's a great, I thought think, of when I first heard it. I think this explains why much to my surprise, Washington was talking about. I think there are people thinking along the lines I'm thinking, about oh, yeah. Get her a safe distance from the White House. That's job are, one. If you want to hang on to the White House. People are people are desperate. Uh, you know, the presidency of Harvard. What would it take? You know, but it's sort of it's sort of I just thought it was sort of using the Supreme Court as a turkey forum. But uh, it would be. I, a, I'm also not the sure. Supreme Court, I think, it. has been used as a turkey farm before. Do you think she'd want I think, it? I think you'd make her an offer she uh, couldn't refuse. Well, <laughs> anyway, um, uh, aside from that, I know nothing about these candidates, and I'm sure they'll be. It fine. just it just seems why we're there's something weird about the way Breyer did this, and it, it seems you know political, not in an evil way. But, but he didn't a, quite do the catch twenty two thing, did he? I mean, he didn't quite say. He says. I have resigned when the court rises at the end of this session, assuming a successor has been nominated and approved. So if, that, that to me says that if McConnell, which he won't do, but if McConnell manages to delay the approval till past June, there is no vacancy. Well, McConnell can't delay it, can he? It doesn't, you can't filibuster this. Uh, correct. There, there are some weird theories that, which seem to not have a majority opinion. One is, uh, one is Larry Tribe's theory that the vice president cannot cast a tie-breaking vote on a nominee. Now that there was an article in the Boston Globe that was paywalled, so I didn't read what his argument was, but uh, he has apparently reaffirmed it. He said, "I'm not a hypocrite. Harris cannot vote." to break the tie. So if it's 50-50, then it's delayed. The other theory was that they they could uh, they would have trouble getting her out of committee because the mm -hmm. committee just put 50-50 and there's no tiebreaker. And to bring it to the floor, then Schumer would need 60 to somehow get it to the floor. Mm -hmm. uh, nobody, nobody seems to buy this theory. This was the theory in Time magazine. So there are a couple of dissenters uh, who think that McConnell can stop it. Now, there's also, Why would he? Under, this, under my theory, he wants to make as little, uh, just 
as little a little fuss about this as possible. Sluice are in there, fine. Yeah, you know. I mean, also, do they have uh, no shame? I mean, surely they wouldn't pull another bullshit after all the Supreme Court justices. They, you know, I mean, after what they pulled with uh, with Obama, and I, you know, I, I don't know. Well, anyway, well, I mean, I. It seems to me he's allowed to say, if if this nominee is too radical, we're going to oppose her, and if the nominee is, you know. Not that radical to force a more moderate choice. I mean, that's why they. That's why there's Senate confirmation is to force a more moderate choice. So uh, well, even the, with it, without the filibuster, if it's fifty-fifty, you have some leverage there. But there's a pretty uh, good chance that that the candidate will be someone that Tucker Carlson can whip up a lot of indignation yeah. about. Well, actually, if if my theory is right and the Republicans are not are trying not to make a fuss about it, Biden wants to nominate somebody radical enough to get their dander up. So he doesn't want to nominate some somebody totally uncontroversial. He wants to nominate somebody just controversial enough that the Republicans have to make a fuss about it. Wait, what does that accomplish from his point of view? This is good publicity for him. It's better than talking about oh. Bill Beck better and his other failures. It's you know, and it mobilizes the base, and he'll will eventually win. Uh, so he wants to he wants to to goad them a little bit to yeah. to make it a fight. Uh, and uh, I, I'm sure he won't have a problem with that. But there are also all these Republican organizations that, that are going to try to make money off this by opposing it. So it won't be that hard to go to them into a fight, yeah. even if they try to try to stop it. But he wants to he wants somebody just radical enough to piss them off. I mean, B- Biden can't catch a break. Did you see this headline in The New York Times? Pittsburgh bridge collapses hours before Biden. Right, that was perfect. Visit. He's talking about infrastructure. I know, the infrastructure I know. Collapsing like around before, him. It's obviously they need the bill. Hours before. Yeah, but I, mean, I don't know. I think it was <laughs> perfect for him. But And the other thing is he has, he, he, uh, David Dyan wrote a very good, uh, we're, we're inevitably, inevitably drifting into build back better ter- territory. But uh, he said, he said there, you know, one of the things that Democrats can emphasize now is, Stop is onshoring productive capacity. And there is a bill to do that for semiconductors, which is up before Congress. The, the Senate and the House versions differ, but that's a winning issue for him. So if he and he is he has he has he has mentioned that in his speech. So uh I think I think that's the the, the first I think Diane is right. The first the first step for a comeback is uh emphasize this onshoring thing, which will get some Republican votes. Certainly going to be popular, uh, more popular than the massive bureaucracy increasing things that the Democratic interest groups have stuck into the Build Back Better bill. Uh, so talk about that. Omicron recedes, the pandemic recedes. Those are two big planks on the Biden comeback trail, uh, and this you know this this winning filling of the vacancy is number three. Three is a trend, Bob. It seems to me he's on the way back. Well, I just think a lot of it hinges on uh, on on COVID, um, you know, and I think there's a tendency for people like you and me to overthink the whole Biden popularity thing and talk about like where did he go wrong? And you know, like Ross Douthat wrote a column analyzing this a couple of weeks ago, and and like you know, we act as if when he enter when he makes a big deal of a voting rights deal and it doesn't pass, oh my God, that's a huge setback. I mean, most people don't even know that happened. What they know is their lives are miserable because of COVID and there's just a limited amount. Uh, I, think I think they think know that, that I think they know that he's let 
uh, Representative Jayapal sort of are you serious? Set the, set the agenda. He, he, they know he's caved too much to the left that he, he had this big bill and it flopped that it was a, a big liberal bill that was going to transform right. America. Right. Seriously, and- Mickey, if you gave Americans a, a, a test, Jayapal is a a town in Pakistan. B, you know, so you think they'd even get that right? Are you serious? Uh, I think they know he's I think they know he's spent a lot of capital pushing plans from the left and that they were they were supposed to be transformative in ways that the voters didn't quite understand and maybe didn't like and that they failed. And and the question the question that that doubt that tried to address I assume and and it's a legitimate question is why did he do this? And there were all these there's all this attempt to pin the blame on Ron Klain somehow because of his you know his sucking up to repetitive Jayapal and I, they they don't make sense to me. There's a ninth planet there. Why why did Biden do this? And the the obvious answer is Jill. Jill is the ninth planet here that nobody is talking about. Well, what what you got a better reason? There, 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 no, nobody can explain it. Why did this guy who all his entire his entire life has been standing stiff arming the left? Okay, on busing, on various things, on crime. All of a sudden. He becomes uh, pursuing to to his detriment, uh, and his phone numbers are really awful, Bob. Uh, to his detriment, uh, pursuing this strategy with the left, uh, this this uh, this sucking up to the left or letting them have their way instead of putting them down the way the way you know Bill Clinton did with welfare. Why is he doing this? Is it can't be Ron Klain? But wait, there are two. Got to be somebody who is as much power as Ron Klain. But is it Ron Klain? And that person is Jill. But there are two competing theories here. I mean, some people are saying, I guess what you're saying, he should have never, he was trying to move much farther left than the country once. And then there are people who say the mistake is not to to try, but to fail. Uh, it just looks ridiculous because he tried well, to both, do this. They're both the same. At some point, he, no, said, not should, same. At some point he should have told the left, look, we're not going to pass these five big things. Let's pick one of them and pass it. And he didn't do that. Even now. Now they're all talking about now Jayapal is talking about well we have to rebuild something that Mansion could want and what's he going to want he said he, he said he wants pre K okay yeah but, the, but Jayapal is adding childcare and elder care yeah he hasn't said he'll approve childcare and elder care so even now when they're pairing it back they're not pairing it back they're what they still want four of the five things the, you know the uh, Mickey, so you, it's it's it's, it's insane this, you see this watch I'm wearing it shows it, we've talked for an hour no. You know what color? What color is the band? Silver. Not exactly, but the point is, I didn't want this color band, but because of the supply chain thing, the only way I could get it at MSRP and save fifty dollars was to get the band I didn't want. That's why Biden's in trouble. Everything about our lives is out of kilter because of this fucking pandemic. No, I think that's right. The color of my watch band. That's right. And instead, and, and, and he isn't addressing it. Instead, he's addressing the Build Back Better agenda. The people know that. People know he's not putting his capital on well, the Well, I mean, now they're trying they with, you know, free tests and, and so on. But uh, I just don't think any of that will address it either. I just, you know, having free tests doesn't, doesn't mean that suddenly all the food is back on your supermarket shelf. And people really are going to the supermarket and not all the stuff that used to be there is there. That's just Tell a major problem for any president. Very hard to find disposable coffee cups at my supermarkets these days. 
What they're all cleared out. Say? Is that is that a plus? This is a Mega Down mug. Oh, but are I, we doing some name dropping here, Mickey? No, but I'm I'm using I've been using this fucking mug for without washing it for several days now because I usually use disposable mugs. Um, that would, but you yeah. can't get them anyway. The the other weird irony there there were two important studies that came out. One, mm-hmm. you know, the the mansion has said the one part of Build Back Better that he'll accept is pre universal pre K, and there was a devastating study that showed people who went into uh, states pre K did worse than the people who were denied it. Now I, I don't quite I I don't. And there was another one that seemed to show that about the child tax credit, which we can get to. But these are supposedly like blind, random assignment studies. But you random assign a study in the social sciences. It's not like, you know, in 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 medicine where you take a pill and you don't know if it's the real pill or the placebo. Okay, and they see what happens. Okay, you know that you have been denied entry into into the pre-K or not. There's no way to make it completely blind. Now, uh, so I, I just, every, people seem to buy the, the study's design and think it was uh, it was a terrible death blow to pre-K. Uh, so just when it's the only thing that Democrats can pass, this study comes out and says, no, you're making things worse. Uh, I'm not so sure that it's not subject to some, some sort of methodological argument because there was some evidence that the people who were denied entry into the uh, the government pre-K actually went to better pre-Ks. They went to like Perry oh. preschool style pre-Ks that were better than what the government offered. So I don't, I'm not well, sure that it's, the, I'm not sure that, that it's, a, I'm not sure that it's the final word, but I mean, you'd think they would bad. test only the kids who didn't go to pre-K at all. Right. Although that might have. That, then then you then, yeah, then you're, then you're selecting a, you probably have sort of a biased sample. Anyway, it, it just, it, 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 it's ironic that the study comes out showing that the, the one thing Manchin can, agrees on actually sucks. Uh, the other but, study was about the, go ahead. Well, I just think, I, I wonder if the reason you're finding so hard, looking so hard to find flaws with this study is that you're afraid that if a pre-K dies, um, child tax credit will fill its place. No, I'm always worried about that. But no, I, I would be I'd be ready. I'd be happy if pre-K worked and we could pass it. And, I'd be OK. Pre-K died. Uh, and it was replaced by free uh, free community college. As, uh, but keep as, keep in mind that um, the other aspect of pre-K that they didn't test is the fact that it frees mothers up to work. And I'm all for uh, parents working. And also, I want to see that I want to see it. There's there's this tension, okay, in, in, in it's within the Biden administration, okay. but within everybody's thinking, which is, uh, is 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 mothers staying home and taking care of their kids? Are they teaching them better than the government would if they were in daycare or if right. they were in pre-K? Right. And people, a lot of people on my side suspect that with a lot of these very poor mothers. In the in the Biden administration too, and they've said this explicitly a couple of times, the kids are better off in childcare and in school than with their, you know, mothers because the mothers really aren't that good mothers. Okay, and and nobody I, I dares. You're trying to nobody find nobody more- dares say this, but there there is that that is a strain of thinking, and the other strain of thinking is 
we want to have a child tax credit to free up the mothers to do their mothering because that's the best. It's like mother's milk. It's the best thing for the kid. And uh, well, oddly, this study could give some support to that view. Right. That one interpretation would be the kids who didn't go to kindergarten got more time well, with I, their mothers. I want to I want to see this segment of the study directed at uh, at single mothers uh, uh, and, and maybe it's single non-working mothers. See what happens to see if it's not better. The, the study mm -hmm. is it's all low income people, but it doesn't distinguish between working parents and non-working parents. Uh, so I, I, I think there's still a possibility that for for a certain Subsegment of of mothers, it's actually better to send their kids to school. But I don't know. But they didn't test it. I didn't see it broken out that way. Uh, okay. Anyway, there's this. There was a study hyped by Jason DePaul, although very responsibly, in the New York Times, that's obviously political. That seemed to say that the child tax credit uh, improved the brain waves of people who got it. In other words, if you give people three hundred dollars a month as opposed to thirty. And you go, you go with a, 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 a portable, uh, you know, brain scanner to the houses of these kids. The kids that got the three hundred dollars a month had more of the good kind of brainwave uh, than the kids who only got thirty dollars a month. And uh, the two, there are two responses to that. One is it's complete uh, bullshit. What's the other one? Well, one is you, you send, you know, the 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 person who's doing this field field test of this kid, he's not blind. He or she's not blind. They know if they're testing a kid that got the money or didn't get the money. And these people are desperate for a positive result. So maybe there are little ways to skew the meter so it turns into yeah. a slightly better result. The results were very modest. Well, they what were, kind of brainwaves are these anyway? This is this sounds so hokey. What kind of brainwaves are a good brainwave and a bad brainwave. And the, and the kids had... The, the bad brain waves were the same. So there was no improvement for the $300 a month for the bad brain waves, but there was a little bit more of the, of the good kind of brain wave. And so one of the theories is, is no, they obviously skewed the results because they were desperate to, you should be oh, suspicious because I mean, they were desperate to come out with a positive result time to when the child tax credit was up, up before Congress as it is now. So, well, I mean, that. the other, you know, if you're, if you're, thesis is that the experimenters could be loading the dice the other way they could be doing it is just in the way they're treating the kids i mean who knows maybe your brain waves are affected by whether the experimenter says right. oh come here johnny or get the exactly. fuck over here johnny that's a good point so yeah there are all sorts of there are all sorts of this just sounds and, like such but, bullshit but I, the I'm other <laughs> but the other line of attack which sort of contradicts this line of attack is of course money produces better brain waves a little better brain waves oh, I don't and i hey i bet i bet if you looked at people who make $100,000 a year, they'll have better brainwaves too. And $200,000 a year, they'll have even better brainwaves. Yeah. And, and, and this is a, so of course you'd expect some minor difference, but we don't know how important it is. Does it translate into cognitive, you know, they didn't, they didn't measure actual cognitive function. They just measured brainwaves that are traditionally associated with good cognitive functions. And the other thing is it tends to, it, it, and even reading this one study, it tended to saying, you know, we're permanently fucking up these kids. These kids are permanently fucked up because they're poor and they're not getting this child tax credit. Well, at some point, if you if you follow that line of thought, kids being permanently fucked up because they're poor, you wind up with Richard Herrnstein saying, OK, these kids are permanently fucked up. They're 
they're doomed to a place in the social structure. It's sort of hopeless to expect them to rise to the top. So uh, poverty runs in runs in families like bad teeth. And you could see them, the liberals sort of resisting this, this uh, the Hernstinian implications, but um, but they're there, and you push you push this sort of people are fucked up in their brains uh, light of uh, argument far enough, you wind up saying, okay, these poor people are so fucked up, we can't expect them to go to Harvard. You know, this sounds you like know? parrot room material, and coincidentally, we are at the one hour mark exactly. I, I do want to well, say, I, you know, I've, I don't I think I don't, I've made that point now, and. Yeah, I'm not sure we have any new, new parent material there. The the um I want to emphasize I'm not denying that you could have positive outcomes uh from a, ch a child tax credit. I'm just uh skeptical that this brainwave test would tell you anything meaningful. But um I think the brainwave test is it it, it reeks of political bullshit to me. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, but other people said, you know, the results weren't modest. They were just, you, you couldn't tell if they'd actually achieved those results. Jason DePaul said they were modest. So um, he was being responsible. He wasn't, he was trying not to hype it while he was giving it national publicity. Um, fair enough. Anyway, I don't think, I think the study is, has been, is sufficiently iffy that it is not going to turn the tide in favor of the refundable child tax credit, but I could be wrong. Now, is there anything we should say about COVID before we talk about what we're going to talk about in the parrot room? Um, we haven't spent much time on COVID, but I don't, you know, I will you know, say, yeah. You know, Bob, that's just a sort of bullshit you usually throw. You're really, uh, you'll have to, elaborate. you're really, you're really, you know, you're really a, what a son of a bitch, you know, I'm, I'm I'm adopting the new the new tone that Joe Biden is supposed to adopt for the press. Oh, is he? Is the sort of uh, the fuck you, the fuck you versions of fuck you Biden because he told this Fox reporter uh, that he was a stupid son of a bitch. Did he um, tell him that literally? Yeah, it was it was a call. Oh, oh a but it was mic. off mic. It wasn't. He didn't. Well, but the say mic right. was hot. Everybody, everybody heard it. Yeah. Uh, and 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 this was immediately said. Oh, this is the new Biden. This is the great new Biden. Okay, this is going to work for him. He told put down the he put down the uh, put down the Fox reporter and the, the the new combating Biden. This combative Biden. This revitalizing executive discourse. Uh, John Harris wrote a column in Politico, but other people have said it too. Uh, so I'm trying to. Adopt this new. There's fuck you, Biden. There's going to be fuck you, Mickey. You, you did that very how's well. It, how's it working for me? No, it's good. I think you could be president. That was good. Um, fuck you. I, I don't think dissing the press works for a Democrat <laughs> quite the way it works for a Republican, though. Uh, oh, did you say fuck you or thank you? I thought you said thank you. You said fuck you. I said fuck well, you. even better. You're getting better. You're growing into the job, <laughs> Mickey. Um, um, thank you. Um, so wait, some things. We can talk about in the parrot room. Uh, okay, you want to know some? Sure, I've I've sort of shot my wad, but I think I have a couple of things in reserve. Okay, you're going to talk about uh, I hope the uh, the the unknown scandal about Kamala's husband, Doug Imhoff. I, I've never said that. If you, yeah, I was waiting for you to pressure me. I'm pressuring to, I will, you. I will open the kimono a little bit, as it were. <laughs> Oh, that reminds me. I, I I will say a little more. I'm going to write this down about this uh, War in the Pacific trilogy. 
I've been uh, reading. Um, the uh, I can't wait. Fuck well, you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's the, this week is the 50th anniversary of Robert Trivers's paper on uh, parental investment and sexual selection. So I'll naturally talk about that. Um, I, I would like to play guess the the Lou Reed verdict with you. Did you? I hope you didn't see this thing that I saw on Twitter where they quoted Lou what things Lou Reed. You know, you're this big Lou Reed groupie, Velvet Underground. Things Lou Reed said about various performing artists, his verdict on like the Beatles and blah, blah, blah. You didn't see this, I hope, right? No. So I will give you the test. Did you're Lou Reed say good things or bad things about this Wait, person? Oh, oh, you're not going to say, did Lou Reed actually say this or is it apocryphal? No, I'm going to say, well, did he give him a thumbs up or thumbs down? Then I'm going to read you what he actually said about them. Okay. He, he was That's critical of no small number of rock and roll artists. That's great. I will say. Uh I'm going to talk about a piece called Let's Talk About How the NFL is Failing While the NBA Reaches New Heights, which is about the number of black coaches. Although my main comment is on headlines that start with the words let's talk about, which drive me nuts. Uh, the um, you know, I, like, I like the more pretentious what we mean when we talk about. What we mean when we talk about love. Raymond Carver. Um, that, was that the name of it? No, what we it's me you're that, blowing it, you're blowing oh, no, it. No, it's probably gonna, what we talk about when we talk about love. If, we'll talk about Raymond. Bob, you know, Raymond if, Carver's an interesting story. I want to talk stupid, about Raymond Carver. You stupid son of a bitch! You're 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 Thank blowing you. your cultural credential, Mickey. I love it. You got to know the like you got to know the title of the Raymond Carver story if you're going to deploy it. What we talk about when we talk about love. I think that's it. But anyway, yeah. I'm going to talk about Raymond Carver. You know his whole uh, the whole Gordon Lish thing. You know. You know, the whole thing. Um, oh, okay. and my brilliant, unappreciated Not the tweet. whole Gordon Lish thing, I hope. The whole fucking thing. The whole. Okay. Okay. Um, was his name Gordon Lish? Was that Raymond Carver's editor's name? Anyway. Yes. He, he had, and he had this bevy of extremely attractive and, and actually very good female writers. You can talk about that. Uh, and a, there, there was a fictional novel called Elbowing the Seducer written about that. Man, the thing so it's hard to find something detail. you don't know more about than I do. You know, I try. Well, my mistake was when I tried to write a novel of my own. Yeah. For some reason, for some idiotic reason. I think I know what the reason, mistake was, but go ahead. Some idiotic reason I chose Elbowing the Seducer as my model, which is a, it's a very sort of mild and effective form of irony and humor, yeah. which I am unable to achieve. <laughs> And why did I do that? Why did I do that? I'm, a, I'm an idiot. You, you dumb fuck. You there you go. Now fuck. we're getting into it. Okay. You're not being Pete Ducey, though. Pete Ducey rolled with the punches. So you're, you got to let me abuse you and then slough it off. Is Pete Ducey the reporter that Biden? Yes. Yes. Called the stupid son of a bitch. Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Um, I, I, uh, I, I, I want to say a little more about Meatloaf. I was maybe a little unkind to him. I want to talk more about the song uh, Paradise we, by the Dashboard Light. We, we have substantive things to talk about. We have affirmative action we haven't talked about. It's, oh, about, to be, it's about to be thrown it's out about by to the get Supreme Court. Right. Uh, we have... Uh, um, you had, you had, there was something you wanted to say about Bill Buckley that you didn't get to say last week. Well, I yeah. I, I, well, I want to get you to say what you didn't say about Bill okay. Buckley, which you told okay. me afterwards. Or, or I'll okay. be discreet. I'll be discreet. I won't push you any farther than you want to go. Okay. But let's just say it we does have, involve. We have the cancellation of the week, which is never mind. 
cancellation of the week, which is uh, Ilya Shapiro. Who, who's that? He's a libertarian legal scholar who Mark Joseph Stern of Slate tried to get fired. Hmm. Um, uh, I know which side I'm on just by... Well, I actually don't know which side I'm on, but I am on that side. Um, are we living in a si- are we living in a simulation? Uh, um, yeah, I want to talk, talk about, about that. that. I want to talk, um, talk about the metaverse. Uh, the, as, as there's the as, metaverse, yes, the metaverse. The metaverse is is drawing us into the matrix. Oh, we can talk about the metaverse. Metaverse uh, matrix. There was a there was a there was a a video of Mark Zuckerberg made of, of a, a sort of mini metaverse that was. Well, that's a video from a couple of months ago that drew widespread ridicule. I don't know. It has this woman saying it's it's yeah. it, 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 it's strapped to my face and she wanders around and she puts a mustache on herself. Yeah, that's the one. They like made you run screaming. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a little bit of Henry Cuellar stuff. Uh, Didn't we talk a, about him last time? Right. He's just on my list. There's a the uh, there's some Soros prosecutor news. There's some BLM news, some bizarre BLM news. Ooh. There's my paranoia about why Apple is delaying putting our podcast up, Bob. It's a good question. And it's not because my rendition of Neil Young is so perfect that it triggers the copyright computer. Let me say, I, I, this is a, a good point. Uh, Apple, and we're not the only podcast this has happened to, the right show sometimes is hours and hours late on Apple, like so on the iPhone feed. There, there are two solutions. One is to buy an Android phone, which I recommend. It's not a problem on Android. The other is to, for some reason, it's not a problem with the blogging heads feed, which the right show is also on, uh, on iPhones. So if you're, if you're on an iPhone and you think it's time for the right show to show up on Friday night or Tuesday night when a different uh, a show, unfortunately, deprived of Mickey's Charm appears, um, then you should try the blogging heads feed. And that's the end of my uh, thank you. Um, uh, there's a, um, I mean, exciting, we've, we've listed a lot of stuff, Mickey. There's we'll an exciting work. election in Portugal, Bob. We may have to jettison that one. And, and I have some things to say about money liberalism. I, I fear we're about to hear musical accompaniment. Bob? Yeah. Down by the river, I, I shot my baby. I went to patreon.com slash parrot room and Mickey's newsletter, Cows Files, and Bob's newsletter, Non-Zero. And the Twitter feeds, Robert Ryder and Cows uh, Mickey. I just almost have no more... Uh, Promotional things to say, Mickey. Dead, I shot her dead. Dead, I shot her dead. Perfect segue. We'll see you in the parrot room.